Welcome to Rethink Retail, the show where we dive into the stories and strategies behind some of the most successful brands on the planet. From brick and mortar giants to e-commerce disruptors, we uncover the secrets to their success and deliver the keys to true retail transformation. So ask yourself, are you ready to rethink retail? The future of retail starts now. Welcome back to another episode of the Rethink Retail Podcast. I'm your host, Kirat Anand. Today, I'm thrilled to have another global retail leader with us, a true trailblazer in the marketing landscape, from expanding Uber services into Eats, healthcare, and the B2B, into leading innovative initiatives at Siemens. Today, he's at the forefront of redefining the customer journey in the grocery space as the Vice President of Marketing and Customer Insights at Albertsons. Welcome to the show, Francesco Braun. Francesco, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So Francesco, let me ask you a question. Growing up in Portugal, did you know one day you'd be leading marketing efforts at multiple Fortune 500 companies, including some of the largest grocery chain in the world that arguably may be one of the most disruptive startups in the last quarter of century? Can you walk me through your journey a little bit? Yeah, no, I had no idea. I grew up in a very small town in Portugal. And unlike many of my other cousins, I got really excited when the intermissionism movies come up because I was just in awe of advertising in the 90s. I felt like I spent so much time in storytelling. And for me, that was a, a captivating to look at those Nike commercials, those Coca-Cola commercials of the 90s. And so I really got excited and I, I felt like I, one day I want to be able to tell stories like that. Fast forwarding to today, I'm in a unique position to actually be able to do that. Even though advertising has changed significantly, it's no longer TV ads, you still have an opportunity to tell a story. And my journey really started at Siemens, this massive conglomerate company over a hundred years old. And what I liked about what I've learned at Siemens as a marketer was we don't compromise on quality. It was all about making sure that we maintain a high level of quality across the tone of voice, across the creative that we put out there because it's a brand reputation that we need to maintain. So we always prioritize quality of the market over time to market. If we had to delay the, the marketing launch because we didn't feel internally that it was exciting enough that we have the right passion, the right storytelling to tell, we would actually have the power to delay the marketing launch, which for me was something that I felt it was really important. Having transitioned to Uber, it was like the opposite of that. Not that Uber doesn't, matter, doesn't value quality, but at Uber, it was a different culture. It was about failing fast, learn fast attitude. It's about rewriting the rules of the road, no pun intended. They really emphasized experimentation, iteration. They always said, if your marketing is perfect, you're too late, right? So for me, I had to adapt that mindset to, okay, let's learn how to be quick and adaptable and, and experiment, and then learn from that experiment to actually produce high quality marketing. Coming to Albertsons, it was a great blend of those two experiences. Albertsons has a lot more at stake than Uber did at the time because Albertsons has been around for a longer time. So they have a brand and reputation. So at Albertsons, it was about maintaining a high bar of quality, but in order to compete with Amazon, Walmart, we had to innovate. We had to move fast as well. We can't operate in the old retail mentality. So I was brought in to help lead brand innovation to help lead a digital division that is focused on engaging customers digitally and help them sort of experience more convenience and overall actually improve their well-being with their relationship with our brand. So to me, it's a great place to be where I can bring in the best of the two worlds, quality and agility, 
and help Albertsons build better relationships with customers and long-term value. Yeah, it's interesting because when you first mentioned quality to market over time to market, kind of went the exact opposite to what Reid Hoffman recommends in Blitz Scaling. I don't know if you've, if you've seen, ever read his book where he talks about if you've waited for a product to be perfect, you waited too long, take it to market, let your customers validate it for you, which sounds more aligned with the speed at which you operated it at Uber, the fail fast mentality that you said. But uh, well, we're going to come to some of those engaging the customers digitally. And you talked about focusing on health and wellness in a minute here at Albertson because you're doing a lot of interesting things. But so let's talk about Albertson. You took over the role about two years ago, a little over two years ago, Vice President of Marketing Customer Insights. And in a short time, you've had tremendous success. And I was reviewing some of your performance metrics. So if you don't mind me highlighting them, I mean, 47% year-over-year increase in marketing contributions to the gross revenue. That's unbelievable. And then I think over 20% increase in monthly active customers. Wow. How have you done this? Given the scale of Albertson, you're talking a $70 billion corporation. What are you at? 2,200 stores, 35, 36 states. I mean, how have you done this at that scale, given the complexities around Albertson? Yeah, I think it all starts by creating a culture that is obsessed with the customer experience, the customer journey, and being willing to go fight that battle with operators, with divisions, with everybody that engages with the customer on a daily basis. So it started top down. We have a great CEO that encouraged us to think about what are all the different ways that we can add value to our customer, even if it doesn't make money immediately. That was a clear direction. We, of course, are in the business of making money so we can continue to innovate. But if we just need to make a quick buck, we could go and buy more stores. So instead, can we find ways to invest in enhancing the customer experience as they shop for groceries? What role do we play? So we really spent a lot of time talking to customers. That was the first six months of my tenure at Albertsons was getting in front of customers. We spoke to more than 10,000 customers. We built customer panels. We brought to customers product experience that were unreleased just to help them co-create that experience with us. We brought marketing in front of them, brands. We launched a new brand and that brand was co-created with customers. We really leverage this opportunity to understand what the customers think, feel, do, where did they communicate before they engage with the grocery store, during the time they engage with the grocery store and after they've engaged with the grocery store. So we really wanted to understand that entire spectrum and find gaps in that journey and then help complement that journey with uh, innovation and, and with new services. And it was very clear. Customers look at grocery stores as an opportunity to improve the health and well-being of their household and their communities that they, be, they are in. They actually very clearly told us in the feedback, we want you to play a bigger role in helping me be better in shopping for uh, my family, if I'm a caregiver, for the people I care about. Today, it's overwhelming. Nutritional labels are complex and what some particular brands say may not be aligned with what my doctor is saying, right? Some foods say zero cholesterol, but they have high trans fats or saturated fats. Trans fats is actually legal now, but they have potentially high saturated fats and that actually contributes to elevated cholesterol. We can't expect a customer who potentially has two jobs, who's caring for a family, is also a caregiver 
to come through our store and just understand what all that means for their health and well-being. So we, we got permission from customers to innovate in this space. And that's what we focus a lot of our time on, adding value to customers. And we built new solutions who are free to our customers who reward customers for healthy behaviors. And we are seeing the results of that. Customers are shopping more frequently with us. They, their basket sizes are higher than they used to be once they interact with this new platform we've built. And their feedback NPS scores are much higher than we've ever been. And so for us, it's a testament to really caring for customers and really invest, not just in transactional relationships, which is here's 10% off when you shop with us, but actually trusted relationships. We care about your health and well-being, which is why we built all of this and at no cost to you. And in fact, we even spend money giving you incentives to actually eat better. So you spoke to over 10,000 customers and you mentioned co-creating brands with customers. So that's very exciting. It seems like you've been collecting a lot of data, doing a lot of the analytical work. How are you revolutionizing the customer experience? And maybe if you can share some of the data insights that you were collecting that have really made a difference in curating or increasing the loyalty amongst customers. Absolutely. For us, number one concern is ensuring that if you give us permission to analyze your data, that we are doing it in a way that it's preserving privacy, security, and your data is de-identified, anonymized, and used for the sole purpose of improving the experience that you have when shopping with us. So that was the number one foundational concern that we had, and we delivered on it. We built this new platform where you can actually look at your shopping history and analyze it in a way that aligns with your objectives or goals, whether it's nutritional goals, fitness goals, allergies, whatever it is. And that platform, for example, is compliant with HIPAA guidance, right? So we made sure that customers knew data privacy, your data is not being used by third parties to sell you advertising services. Instead, that data is being used for us to cater a much more personalized experience. So for, I'm going to give you an example, Francisco. Francisco shops with Albertsons for the last six months. We are able to look at the data of Francisco's shopping behaviors. And we also know Francisco is vegan. And we also know that Francisco, because he told us, or he shared that information with us, how do we help Francisco now as he shops with us to optimize his basket? So we are first off able to show you based on my USDA's, my plate guidance, whether you're over-indexing in protein or you're under-indexing in, let's say veggies or fruits, we look at the five food groups of the USDA's guidance and we tell you whether your baskets over the last 90 days, 60 days, or even just last week is aligned with those guidance from the US guideline or not. So we're able to just allow you to first off, see where you can optimize. You can actually double tap into one of these elements and see actually all the products that fit into those categories. Then we're able to also ask you, or you, we know that Francisco, for example, has a peanut allergy and is vegan. We're able to look at your basket and say, Francisco, we recommend you replace these products with these other products because they're more aligned with your overall nutritional goals. And we're also able to recommend recipes. So we know Francisco is trying to manage his well-being by eating foods that are low on saturated fats, for example, or for example, foods that have less sugar. Then we can 
put together a portfolio of recipes that allows you to, with one click, add all the ingredients to your cart. Those ingredients are aligned with your goals and you can shop them. And then we give you step-by-step instructions on how to cook those recipes. We even took it a step further and said, how can I even enhance that experience? If I'm shopping and cooking at home, my hands are normally dirty. We have this functionality where you can just wave your hand in front of the phone or the tablet and the page flips to the next page to help you continue that journey. So it's the little things that we do. We take that data and we use it solely for the purposes of enhancing your experience when you shop with us. I, I love that wave. You, know, you, you talked a lot about personalization and I was very authentic. In grocery, we talk about local connections, connecting with the community, but then you have to execute it at scale, right? You mentioned the scale of Albertson. How is your team creating these connections, these personalization experiences that you mentioned at scale? And are you leveraging any technologies? I mean, Gen AI, orchestration, hyper-personalization, or content creation. You mentioned the new digital initiatives earlier. Yeah, and that's our number one or one of our top three objectives for our three-year roadmap, which is how do we continuously invest in personalization? And personalization comes in many forms, right? One of them is the ability to personalize your shopping baskets, which I talked about. The other one is personalize your post-shopping experience. If you remember what I said before, like we really look at the entire customer journey. What are our customers doing, feeling, and experiencing and, and how are they using our groceries after they shop with us? So another way to do that is by nudging them, reminding them, hey, it's time to wind down and get some good rest. We're not just positioning product. We remind customers when it's time to refill their medication. We remind customers when it's potentially that time of the year that they, are, they could benefit from getting a flu shot. And also, if you, we use that information also to remind them of other potential vaccines that it's important, like every 10 years, you should get a tetanus shot. So we're always thinking about post-shopping with our grocery store. How else can we touch your daily life in a way that adds meaning and value? We do it at scale in, because we are able to leverage a, a digital platform that is consistent and regardless of which brand you shop at. We have 22 different brands. We have Safeway in California. We have uh, Jewel Osco in Illinois. Tom Tom's here in Dallas, Texas. Even though they, they're all different brands, the digital experience is the same. Your loyalty experience is the same. Your rewards are the same. And so that's one way that we ensure that we scale this personalization. And then we connect journeys. So we make sure that when you come in store, that digital experience is interweaved in with your in-store experience. So we have things like in-store mode. When you use your phone, you come inside the store, you turn the in-store mode on. And based on what you like to shop, we can already tell you that your favorite products, what discounts you have and where to find them in store. So it, it brings all of these elements together. And we also look at ways that we can position the right coupons for you, right? Like it's one thing to get 20 different coupons. Like in the old days, you would get this circular in your mail and we still do circulars today. And there's a bunch of coupons. Many of them are irrelevant to you because you don't shop for this. But now that we look at your shopping behaviors, we can already tailor coupons that are exclusive to you and add more value to you and partner with brands to do so. These are some of the many ways we're looking at adding value to your customer journey. Anytime we can reduce friction, anytime we can improve time to shop, adds a lot of value to our customers. 
And, and it sounds like your app is a combination of the Apple Watch, CBS loyalty, Walmart, and so much more. So it sounds like you've, got, you've done a great job there. You mentioned personalization as one of your top three objectives. I was hoping maybe you could share the other two top objectives. Yeah, well, I, I'd say as an organization, we're always committed to the well-being of our customers. That's going to continue as one of our core priorities for us. It's actually part of our purpose statement. Our purpose statement is to connect people and communities through the joys of food and to inspire well-being. So that inspire well-being continues to be a, a top focus for the organization. And of course, we want to make sure that customers continue to maintain a high bar of in-store experience. So we focus a lot on our associates, making sure our associates feel empowered to deliver the best possible experience in-store because we know most of our customers still shop in-store. That in-store experience, that relationship that you have with your local store director, with our frontline associates is so critical. So we invest a lot in our frontline, our pharmacists, our technicians, our cashiers, anyone who would you walk through the store, we have this sincere, genuine, sort of investment in building relationships with our customers. Those are always going to continue to be our priorities. And what I like about where we're headed is that it's what customers are asking for. The feedback we receive is always very heartwarming that their local store director, their local person goes above and beyond to ensure that they, they're taken care of. I'll give you one example that really touched me. We always start our town hall meetings, our team meetings with customer stories. One of those stories recently was someone, of course, I won't mention any names, someone who was a frequent shopper at one of our stores, a Safeway store. And that particular customer suddenly stopped coming in and, and shopping. Now, if you're someone who doesn't pay attention, you would have assumed this person probably just moved away and went somewhere else. But our store director because he builds those types of relationships with every customer that comes, specifically those customers who are frequent customers, he noticed that something must be off. And he found a way to get in touch with that person's family. And he learned that person had an accident and can no longer, had no longer the ability to move or actually had no mobility left to come and shop at a grocery store. So the team got together and they put together a basket of goodies. And not only that, they committed themselves to always doing delivery for that particular customer. So that customer can still get all the grocery needs delivered. And it's always because our store director just paid attention that something must be off. And that's what we want to continue to do. We want to continue to build that type of attention to detail to that customer experience, noticing when customers sometimes need a hug. And this, is, this happens many times when a customer just comes to our stores and they're going through a lot in life. And one of our store directors or associates just goes in and asks directly, do you need a hug? And these stories are very often what really moves us in why we do what we do. So that's the type of personalization that we often can't offer digitally. It requires really that in-person experience. So we want to continue to invest in that. Having associates who are proud of working with, uh, in our stores really makes a huge impact on uh, customer experience. That was a very emotional story. Thank you for sharing that. As you mentioned, I guess sometimes marketing also can be very emotional, right? And, and sometimes I guess executives might see marketing as more of a top of the funnel expense, right? So how do you help your team focus on data-driven initiatives? We talked about some of your performance metrics early on and, and some of your key initiatives or, or KPIs that you've delivered, but. What are some of the positions that you track 
what are some of the initiatives and, and drivers that you have your team focus on? So to leadership, you're looked at as a growth driver versus a cost center. That's, that's a great, great question. I, and I love that question. I think the CMO, the modern CMO, the modern head of marketing, they really need to look at marketing as a, a PL, as a profit growth driver. And not just like in the old days, like in the nineties, when I was growing up watching advertisement, it's all mostly about building brand, getting as much mind share as possible. Today, that is still important, but with personalized advertising, with all the amount of channels that we have to support, it becomes uh, less of a focus area compared to the old days. And, and, and it becomes more important that you're able to justify investments um, across different channels, across different platforms. So. For me, it's really important that you lay the foundation uh, for a true marketing growth PL. And my first hire was the director of customer research and insights. And that's one bucket of metrics that I track. Brand sentiment, net promoter scores, customer growth and retention. Really want to, we start every meeting, like I said, with here's the, the top three comments from our customers from this month. And here's the top three worst comments from our customers this month. We, we have weekly NPS reviews. We take customer feedback seriously. We act on customer feedback very quickly. We measure brand sentiment and awareness every quarter. We want to know when you think of grocery or when you think of pharmacy, what comes to mind, who comes to mind, why that is. And we want to track whether or not our brand sentiment is aligning with our core objectives for the organization. That's one bucket, customer metrics. The other cut, bucket is engagement channel metrics, right? If we're investing in all these channels, are these channels producing enough engagement, such as customer reach, click-through rates, and for example, downloads or site visits. So that's the second bucket, customer metrics, sorry, engagement metrics. The third bucket is performance metrics. That's when you look at how well your dollars are working for you. Return on ad spend, cost per action, cost per thousand impressions, marketing ROI, taking in all the sales and all your investments, how much do you have? as a return to the organization. And then lastly, and I think this is one that probably most marketing teams don't really spend enough time and effort focusing on, is business metrics. How do we attribute the impact of marketing to sales, profit, and EBITDA? And that means really looking at bringing in technology, bringing in third-party vendors to help with less touch attribution, multi-touch attribution, and marketing mix modeling, and really helping to say, Hey, 30% of the sales in this quarter, we can directly attribute to the marketing activities that we put out there. And this is how you start to add credibility internally. And people start looking at marketing, not as a brand function, but actually as a, a growth driver. And they start unlocking more funds to you and they start unlocking more resources to you. It, it was a journey coming in. There was a team of one. And then today I have a, a bigger team. I have, my budget is double that it used to be, but it's because I've been able to consistently demonstrate this. And every month we have a monthly marketing review with all the executive team, team members. And what we do is we share these and we have news flashes that go out as well every two weeks. So we keep people attuned to the impact that marketing has. But again, it's all grounded in truly benefiting the customer. I love how you spoke about the business metrics. I think that's super important. And it was great to hear that you not say ROAS because I think I've been hearing that way too much. And so you talked about the customer feedback loops, the NPS score, brand sentiment and awareness. How, 
have those strategies led to actual execution to create better experiences for the Albertson community, both on and offline? Yeah. So for example, thinking of customer metrics, NPS scores, we launched a new platform, right? Sincerely Health, this was launched in March and it was a, a brand new initiative. It's something that no other retailer was doing. Uh, think about it. You can connect your Apple Watch, for example, to Sincerely Health. And just by walking through our stores, you can close your ring, that it's your activity ring. You, you also can close your stand-up ring. And every time you close one of those rings, we're giving you discounts on your grocery bill. It's free. It, it's, it's something that we just do to encourage you to stay active, right? We're essentially spending money for customers to just lead healthier lives. Now, this was obviously something that we haven't done before, no other vendor was doing, and we wanted to keep a close pulse check on how customers are dealing with this platform and what we need to do in order to improve it. And so we learned very quickly that there was a lot of things we needed to improve. The, the platform itself has a lot of value, but at times it lacked simplicity. You had to do multiple steps in order to get to a desired outcome. So we, we learned that. And a lot of times customers didn't even know how to connect their device, their Apple Watch. So we, we started getting that feedback and in real time, we started producing how-to videos. We started in real time informing the product team on how to improve the simplicity of the signup process, how to change the dashboard uh, to make it more simple and intuitive for people to find what they want to find quickly. Because at times when we're building things internally, we're, we're building a bouquet of different solutions that we think customers really care about. But at the end, they ended up caring only about 20% of that. And so how do we make that 20% up in front and center? And this is something we can't get doing customer research because I think Steve Jobs once said this, I believe he was saying once said it, you can't ask customers what they want because they don't know what they want until they see it. So we talked to 10,000 customers prior to launching the platform and yet post-launching the platform, when customers are actually using it, that's when we start also learning things that we weren't able to uncover prior to the launch. So that pulse check on customers is so critical. And my team in partnership with product and tech, we've been able to very quickly iterate and update experiences based on that um, rapid loop feedback that we got from customers. Yeah. I hear Omer talk about it as a grocer you're not only leading in on healthier options in the aisles and online, but you're also leading in as a grocer and pharmacy retailer because you're committed to the community with the app. So yes, Sincerely Health, we've seen tremendous amount of uh, customer adoption. How are you integrating that with Albertson for you, the loyalty membership? How are you creating a stickier platform and how's your team working towards that? Can you talk Absolutely. a little bit about that? Um, so I, I think... For us, it was really important that in order to access this Sincerely Health platform that unlocks rewards for healthy living, that as a prerequisite, you have to sign up for our loyalty program. So you have to register for it. And the reason for that is because we want to make sure that the rewards ecosystem is interconnected. So if we're giving you rewards for shopping according to USDA guidelines or according to your own health goals, we wanted to ensure that those rewards are all connected to the overall shopping experience. They, they're directly assigned to your wallet. You don't have to deal with two different wallets. So for us, Sincerely Health was a way to even drive additional loyalty members. And we actually had quite a significant percentage of customers who signed up for Sincerely Health be reactivated customers, meaning customers who 
at not shop with Albertsons for more than 90 days or even longer, in some cases more than 12 months, we saw customers coming back and shopping with us uh, because of Sincerely Health. We also saw customers who never shopped at Albertsons before, never. They had, we had no record of any transaction of that customer with Albertsons, shop at Albertsons for the first time because of Sincerely Health. So what we are noticing is customers see the value of when brands like Albertsons are delivering value and committed to the health and well-being of these customers. Not only that, we also noticed that shopping baskets, pre-Sincerely Health and post-Sincerely Health, have also improved. Not only are they eating better, but they also are shopping more. And that is another way that we bring in stickiness. Customers now, instead of perhaps going in on the first week to shop at Albertsons and on the second week to go to a different retailer, because we know the majority of customers shop two to three different supermarkets. That is just a known stat. We're noticing yeah. with Sincerely Health because now they have this fear of missing out. If I go somewhere else, I won't be able to connect that experience with my overall basket health and my overall nutrition. And so we're noticing that the trips are also increasing because customers feel less of a need to go to a different vendor because they would be missing out on connecting all that journey, that experience, that information. So for us, that was another critical point of Sincerely Health is not just helping customers live healthier, but it's also helping customers have more convenience and a, a frequent place to shop where they can see frequent rewards and be able to use those rewards. Well, it sounds like Sincerely Health has been great lead gen and shown strong correlation between basket health and basket frequency and size. So all that kind of leads to my next question about data, right? You're collecting tremendous amount of data, obviously now on the health side, on the basket size, on the customer overall. And in retail, we view data as a currency. Obviously, the value of this currency post-merger will grow, go up, right? Post your merger. But let, let's talk about the value of your Albertson data today. You've got a great retail media network. I know your team is probably partnering with the AMC team, Albertson Media Collective. Can you talk about how your team integrates and partners and, and maybe some differentiating characteristics of AMC compared to other retail media networks? Yeah, I think uh, AMC is a tremendous opportunity to offer partner brands like CPG brands the ability to reach the right target audiences. I don't think any CPG company or brand wants to, like I said, in the, go back to the old days where you just do mass marketing. They want to have the, back, the biggest impact on their marketing initiatives. And that means you want to target the right audience. Uh, you don't want to target male customers with products that are predominantly used by female customers. So how do we get there? I, I think what we offer is a platform that number one, customers can trust because it maintains a high degree of privacy and security and it's compliant with HIPAA standards. And then what it allows these brands to do is to offer opportunities to engage customers contextually in the right journey, in the right time. Instead of just offering a coupon to customers broadly, even during a time when I'm not thinking about grocery shopping, we can now identify the best opportunities for a CPG brand to offer discounts on avocados because it is happening at a time when a particular customer who appreciates avocados is also on a journey to eat healthier fats. And it is at the point of, of either purchase or shopping experience in store through InStar mode, we have an opportunity to offer precision 
in how to reach those customers in making sure that the customers actually appreciate that discount and don't look at it as an advertisement spam. And that's really the value of how we can improve advertising and changing the perception that advertising is just spam. And that's because in the old days, it used to be. You're getting spam with advertising during a time when I'm not even thinking about buying groceries. Why am I getting this now? So we are helping brands reach more customers more contextually, add value, and get a, a very quick feedback on that experience. Yeah, I think that leads to my next question. I mean, it, it sounds like a lot of these are, are new initiatives that you've been implementing. Are there any strategies that your team is currently working on? And are you partnering with any innovative tech startups? We've got a lot of listeners that are vendors, startups, and, and maybe if there's some approaches that you're working on, you can talk to how some of the vendors and startups might be able to contact you in the coming months. Yeah. So our fiscal year ends in March. And so in the coming months, we're all focused on ensuring we're delivering on the promises to our customers. And of course, the, our promises to our investors and to our, our community of associates and employees. But we are already thinking about how do we improve this experience? How do we take it to the next level? So we're always looking for partners who have disruptive, creative tech that can help us do that. That number one, respects customer privacy. Number two, that is focused on enhancing the customer experience, adding value. We have an entire team dedicated to reviewing partnerships that can actually help us do that. I would say if there is any particular technology out there that is very much aligned with our goal of improving customer relationships, of inspiring well-being, yes, please feel free to reach out to us. You can reach out to me on LinkedIn and I'll, I might not be the right person, but I'll certainly connect you with the right person internally. We can explore conversations. At this point, I'm not able to divulge any information around what partnerships you're engaging with, uh, but know that as a company who's seeking to innovate constantly, we're always looking for the right partners to do that. Francisco, over the holidays, you might be one of the most added and, and reached out to connected person on LinkedIn after this podcast goes live. So be careful with that, but careful what you wish for. But before we wrap up, I'd like to know if I, if you had to pick one product from the aisle at Alfredson that you personally endorse with enthusiasm, something local, maybe something a little different, what would that be? And what's your personal favorite gem that's always in your basket? I would say, let me rephrase that. Um, I don't think it's a product. I think it's a service. And, and, and here's why I, I used to use online pharmacies before I joined Albertsons. I would like to get my prescription delivered to my home, no hassle, nothing. But once I uh, started working at Albertsons and I used the pharmacy that we have, I was blown away by the attention to care that our pharmacists place in our customers. And I, and I, and I mean this sincerely. I, I transitioned away from an online pharmacy to a, an actual brick and mortar pharmacy because I really enjoy the interactions I have with my pharmacist. It's something that an online pharmacy can do. I, I, I tell you an example. I completely forgot that every 10 years you have to get your tetanus shot. I just didn't even think about it. And unless you have to go to the doctor and the doctor reminds you, you won't even think about it. And just in a conversation about an upcoming travel that I had, we were talking about travel. And he was saying, hey, here's all the things you probably want to consider as you're planning your travel. And specifically as you go to this place. This was, by the way, all three. And... The pharmacist just outlined a few things that I needed to keep in mind of. One of them was getting a tetanus shot. And to me, those are the, that's the extra mile that having that in-person relationship with our pharmacists who are terrific experts can have. So I love our pharmacies. 
And even if I decide to move and work at a different company, I don't think I would break that relationship with my local pharmacist. It's just something for you. That, that's a great story. And anyone who listens to our podcast knows that I was in with the rapid fire segment. I like to start off with a few easy ones. So just if it's okay with you, we can jump right in right here. So let's uh, do it. Who's the better footballer, Messi or Ronaldo? <laughs> I mean, I'm obviously biased. Cristiano, for sure. Do you want me to give you an explanation or just leave it there? We can leave it there. I'm a Ronaldo fan and I think it's fine. I think we have people in both camps. What's more fun? We were talking about this earlier. What's more fun, San, the San Antonio or the San Juan Festival? Uh -huh, San Juan, because I'm from the north. So, of course, Porto. <laughs> okay, there you go. Favorite bean, black, kidney, or pinto? Black. Black beans goes well with everything. There you go. I like that. Okay, now, now let's get a little bit more focused. All right. The top trend that the customer adopted during COVID in grocery which is here to stay. For sure, drive up and go. The ability to okay. just order your groceries online and then stop at the parking lot, get them into your car and drive. That's been still growing. More so, delivery is important, but people just love not having to wait for someone to deliver your groceries. Just go there and pick them up. Yeah, I like that. Um, which is the most impactful social channel, not named Meta or TikTok? Most impactful for, for grocery stores or for in general? Yeah, grocery. Um, most impactful channel outside of Meta and TikTok. That's a good question. There is a particular channel that I like in a, a company we partner with. I'm not sure if a lot of people are familiar with it. It's called InMarket. And yeah. essentially what it does is once you install their app, you get access to promotions and coupons of different vendors. What I like about it is if you're walking by any of our stores, it just pops up immediately based on your preferences, all the opportunities you have to save right there and then. Even if you're not even thinking about buying groceries, just by walking through one of our stores, you may not even be a customer of ours. So it's a really impactful channel. We see a lot of people coming in and shopping with us, and it's because they've been able to learn about all the ways we can help them save money, especially in a time when inflation is high. Absolutely. That's a, that's a great answer. I, I was not going to predict that one. Who in grocery or retail is creating real disruptive marketing strategies? Uh, someone you look at and you say they're doing it extremely well. Um, other than us? Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Other, other than you and Kroger. I appreciate a lot of the work that Instacart is doing. Their CMO, Laura Jones, who used to be my former boss at Uber. I, I yeah. find that they, they found a way to connect with customers beyond just being uh, a delivery partner. I, I enjoy that they're investing a lot in telling stories and I, some of their marketing is really compelling. I think they, they do a great job. And then I also appreciate the job that Courtney or William are doing at Walmart. Took a brand that may not be perceived really well in the past to a brand that at times feels like they are at the epicenter of innovation and tech. So I, I love seeing a lot of the marketing and creative out there as well. And given you gave two answers to the last question, you can give two here. Top two marketing metrics your team is laser focused on for 2024. Number one, customer happiness. And we measure this. This is not just qualitative. It's a combination of different metrics we track. So customer happiness is one. And then number two is sales contribution. 
but we're also trying to see if we can have an impact on EBITDA because at times we're only measured on top line sales. But if you're bringing in a lot of, of sales that have a low margin, then you're not contributing positively to the business. So we're now trying to get into a deeper level, which is impact to EBITDA. So if you're listening out here, marketing executives focus on business metrics, something people leave out. Francisco's mentioned it a few times. Thank you, Francisco. This has been a great conversation. Thanks again for your time. Wishing you and your family happy holidays and looking forward to connecting in the new well, year. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure and I'm excited to stay in touch and anyone who wants to reach out, I'm always welcome to make uh, new connections. Thanks again. This is Kirat Anand signing off for the Rethink Retail podcast. Listen in on more globalretailleaders.com or at Rethink Retail. Thank you for listening to the Rethink Retail podcast. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. And if you're interested in being a guest on the show, apply at rethink.industries slash podcast guest. That's rethink.industries slash podcast guest. Follow us on Twitter at rethink underscore retail and show some love by subscribing on iTunes podcast app. Until next time.